You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A wise theologian once said, one of the best things we could do is keep it weird. That's what the church could do if it wants to keep growing. And so if this is looking a little weird, just consider it church growth. (laughs) So after several months of lectionary readings that skipped over large sections of story, not much has actually changed for the Israelites since last week's reading. They're still traveling in the wilderness, and they are still very concerned about resource scarcity. At almost any other time in my life, I would have had very little sympathy, little understanding for the Israelites' consistent inability to believe that God is trustworthy, despite all the ways that God continues to show the people just how trustworthy God actually is. But for the past few years, I've been doing some intentional work on trying to understand colonialism and racism, and I have come to see just how ingrained these kinds of worldviews can be. I'm a nice person, but I am also a racist, and I have been deeply formed by colonialism. It's going to take me a long time to dismantle those things in my own life. Last week, someone pointed out to me that I had said something ableist. Another thing I'm trying to learn not to be. And I was like a breath away from saying, I'm so sorry I've been blind to that. (laughs) It took me a lifetime to create these habits. And I still live in a world that largely reinforces them. So they're not going to change overnight. It's slow work. It's hard work, but it is work worth doing. And the Israelites still carry the mindset and the generational trauma from their time in Egypt. They've left Egypt, but they're not entirely free. And one of the ways this manifests is in persistent anxiety about resource scarcity which, at any other time in my life, I likely would have rolled my eyes at this thinking, God has given you more than you even need. Why are you still so worried? And then, I remember the great toilet paper crisis of March 2020. Remember that? Doesn't that seem like a lifetime ago? As I understand it, our need for toilet paper did not actually increase in March. And the overall amount of toilet paper being produced, that didn't change either. But something changed in our world, and that change made us anxious, and many, many people coped with that change by buying way more toilet paper than they needed, which created unnecessary panic and anxiety, and a situation where some people had stockpiles of toilet paper, and some people were down to their last roll and couldn't find any more in the stores. And if you didn't buy large amounts of toilet paper, 
you probably bought some other resource to help ease your own anxiety and give yourself a sense of control over the uncontrollable. Now this may tell you all you really need to know about me. I didn't buy toilet paper. I bought a three month supply of coffee and dog food. Today's reading is one in a series of stories that theologians sometimes call the complaint narratives. They all follow a similar pattern. There is a threat to the safety and security of the Israelites. They need food or water, and they complain to Moses about it. Interestingly, they always complain to Moses, not God. Moses then brings that complaint to God, and God saves the people. God liberates the people from slavery, provides quail and manna and water. It happens over and over again. Before we look at the issue of drinking water from today's story, I want to point out a detail that I think illustrates just how deeply ingrained the Israelite sense of resource scarcity was. In today's story, they're concerned about water, but oftentimes they're concerned about food and specifically meat. More than once they complained to Moses, if only you'd left us alone in Egypt where we had flesh pots, where we had meat. It's a weird complaint because their lives as enslaved people in Egypt were horrible. But also, do you remember what happened when they left Egypt? Exodus 12 tells us that during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave, take your people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. Large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. Those animals, their meat, their food. Unless all these animals have somehow already been used up or died mysteriously, the people have no actual reason to miss the flesh pots of Egypt. Maybe they're saving those animals for a special occasion. Maybe they're afraid to start eating those animals because it's comforting to see them. Maybe it helps ease their anxiety to say, if we need to, if it gets really bad, we could always eat those animals. But whatever's happening, it seems to me that their felt sense of food scarcity and their actual stockpiles of food, they're not lining up. Now, water is a different thing. Animals can travel with you and are something of a renewable resource. Water is different. As they travel, the Israelites would need to continually find new sources of not just water, but water that was clean enough to drink. And not just for the people, for the animals too. It's like the next level of trust. In theory, the people should be able to look around as they walk and see the animals, their food safety net, 
and be able to remind themselves that they're okay, that they have enough food. But water? As soon as they find a, a place with clean drinking water, they leave it. So if they turn their head to look behind them as they walk, they can see the water, that source of life, slowly getting further and further away. And if they look ahead, they only see dry, dusty wilderness. But even if they do have those animals with them, and even if they could see their next source of water on the horizon, God has been working hard to get them to slowly abandon that scarcity mentality and the urge to feel secure by hoarding supplies because, as you may recall from last week, storing up manna for another day doesn't really go very well. With the exception of the day before the Sabbath, anytime the Israelites try to store more manna than they need for a single day, they fail. The stored manna becomes filled with worms. It becomes inedible. Little by little, experience by experience, God is calling the people to trust God's ability to provide and not their ability to stockpile. But it's going to be a long process. So in today's reading, the people make camp in a place where there is no water, and we're told the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Now, the difficulty of being a leader in a time of great change and anxiety, that's a whole other sermon. But for today, I'll just point out that while it is good for us to hold our leaders to account and to offer constructive feedback, we should also remember that they are human beings experiencing the same stressful world events that we are, and we should take particular care with how we voice our concerns. No one does their best work when they think they're going to be stoned at any moment. I was thinking about this when I saw Dr. Rusin, who looked so tired and so defeated, give his press conference on Friday. And then some of the comments on the CBC coverage I was watching were just vicious. Moses is tired. He is frustrated. He's feeling defeated and like the people are ready to kill him. But God doesn't seem frustrated at all. Not at the people and not at Moses. And God has a plan. Moses is to gather some of the elders and go ahead of the people to the rock of Horeb. When they get there, Moses is to take his staff, strike the rock, and then drinkable water will come out from the rock. Enough for all the people. And Moses does exactly what God tells him to do, and it works. God does not tell Moses to go ahead on his own. He is to take the elders with him, presumably to act as witnesses and to be able to tell the people what they've seen. God also instructs Moses to use his staff to strike the water. The same staff that Aaron and Moses used to turn the Egyptians' drinking water into blood. These are both practical and symbolic actions designed to help form this group of formerly enslaved people into a people who trust God. 
Moses names this place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means contention or quarrel, because this was a place where the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's interesting that Moses doesn't name this place we finally trusted. And it's equally interesting that God seems to be okay with these names. God understands that after generations of being deformed through enslavement, the people need to be reformed. God understands this will take time. Once trust has been broken, it takes an incredible amount of work to rebuild. You need to show you are trustworthy again and again and again. And God knows that part of building trust is being able to test, to push the boundaries and see how other people respond. God is not threatened by this process. God also knows that having reminders and rituals are very important. That's why we gather every week. That's why we tell and retell stories. That's why symbols are so very powerful. That's why God doesn't tell Moses to just use any old stick, hit the rock, and bring forth water. God says, use the staff that has been a symbol of my power since the first plague. We, in Winnipeg at least, all received some tough news on Friday. Cases are rising, new measures are being put in place, and this creates a lot of confusion and uncertainty. It's hard, so very hard. One thing that helps me is to have tangible reminders of times in my past when I have experienced hardship and God was with me in those hardships. It helps me to try and lean into trusting God instead of trusting myself. It stops me from running to the store to buy all the toilet paper and coffee and dog food. And so I want to encourage you this week to think back on your life. Can you remember times when things were tough and God was present? Can you remember times when you were sure there would not be enough, but God provided? and be ever so gentle with yourself if those sorts of memories are hard to find. When they come, write them down, or find something that can remind you of them. Pull out that encouragement card someone wrote you, or the rock from that trip you took. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Reread the stories you've written down. Reread these Exodus stories. Stories of God's consistent and faithful and abundant provision for an exhausted and anxious people facing an unknown future. Reading these stories in our present circumstances can remind us of God's consistent, faithful, and abundant provision. May these things give you some comfort and some courage to keep going this week. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.